Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Uh, well, you can have a seat. Uh, and good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith, and I am our teaching pastor here at our Anderson campus for our college ministry. And uh, I just got to tell you, uh, you made it, right? We're here. This is it. Howdy. See, you're going to do that a bunch of times. There it is. All right. Because I know that we got 22 people in here, right? There's some 22ers. There they are. And we've got some 19ers. There you are. And maybe an 18. Oh, a lot of 18. 17? Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> you'll get there, right? Like, we're going to, we'll make it. Uh, man, this is a new year. It's a new day. And, and I don't know about you, but if you're like me, man, I'm excited for this new year. We're, we're all excited, right? As a, as a community, as a campus, we are excited for this new year that's going to be filled with new people and a new football season and new organizations and new classes, a new coach, right? And if you're like me, Right? If you're like me, you're not just excited about the fall. You might even be super excited about the spring. Because if you're like me in the spring, you're going to have a new baby in your family. Aww. It's true. Uh, you shouldn't join me in that, though. Don't, don't be like me. Um, but when everything is new, right, and the season of newness and the season of everything is kind of shifting and changing, what's interesting is that even when every single thing is new, there are some parts of our lives that seem to never change. Even when everything seems fresh and brand new, man, the reality is that there are parts of life, there are people, there are programs, there are elements of who we are that simply don't change over the passage of time. Ed. Ed. Here's your BB. Ed? Good morning. Ed? Okay, alright, thanks. Alright, bye. Go ahead. Hey, that's not work. Though the world might change, same old Ed, right? Same old Ed, same old scaredy pants Ed. Even on a new day in a new place, it's remarkable how much of our lives simply doesn't change. You, you have new roommates maybe, uh, but they're going to have those same old quirks, right? They can lead to frustrations. They're going to leave those dishes on the, under the couch and like on top of your bed. And you're like, why? Right? That's, that maybe is going to happen. You might have a brand new football coach coming in. Woo-wee. Let me just warn you, as someone who has walked this path, there are still going to be frustrations. There is still going to come a time where we talk about how it's a building year. It's a building year. It's a building year, right? It's a building year. It's a building year. Don't worry. It's a building year, right? It's going to happen. Why? Same old, same old, man. Everything's new, yet some things always stay the, stay the same. You're going to be in a new organization, in new classes, and these different new areas of serving or leadership, and man, there's going to still be the same problems. The truth is, is that we can feel the excitement of a new beginning with new people and new opportunities and all these new goals, and yet we still deal with the same old problems, right? Even in this brand new season, we will find ourselves struggling in the same old things. We'll still be struggling with the, the, the problem of rejection and of failure and of unmet expectations. 
right? Even in the newness, even as we step into this new place, we find ourselves facing those old problems with even less support than we had before. Because all of a sudden, some of those friends are gone or that family is back home. And, and suddenly we find ourselves in a moment where it's hard to maintain our excitement. It's hard to maintain the vision that we maybe had at the first day. I mean, October looks a lot different than August. So my question is, well, is that good, right? Is that best? Is that right? For us to just kind of give into this ebb and flow, for us to sort of see like, oh yeah, it's new and I can be excited, but then I'm going to just let that excitement go. Is that really the life that we should be living? Is that the life that we should pursue? Because when we look in Scripture, we see a different story. When we look in Scripture, we see a different flow. When we look at the life of Joshua, a leader of his time who led the nation of Israel to victory and conquering a new place, what we see in his life is as he steps into this new place, onto this new ground, what happens is he's still standing on the promises that God had made, the promise that God loves us, the promise that God wants to direct our steps. And when he held fast to that, man, his excitement doesn't fall. His passion doesn't fade. So as we walk through the next few weeks, what we're doing as a ministry is we are looking at the life of Joshua. We're looking at this new place, this new season, this new ground. And we want to try to capture, we want to try to follow the example that God's laid out for us of stepping into that new place, standing on his promises that simply don't change. You see, in Joshua chapter 1, which Haley read for us a minute ago, it tells us that Moses, the Lord's servant, he had died. And so the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. So get ready. So cross the Jordan River. So lead these people into the land which I am ready to hand over to them. Right? It feels almost very sudden, but, but realize there's greater context if we read in Deuteronomy, before this, we would see uh, that God, you know, the Lord is grieved by the death, uh, by the failure of his servant Moses. But man, at this point, it's like, man, there's a, there's a time for mourning, but then there's a time for action. And so he says, Joshua, your mentor, your leader, this guy that's kind of been walking with you, that you've been assisting all this time, he says, that guy, he's gone, right? Moses is dead. It's over. And so what I need you to do, Joshua, is I need you to step up. I need you to move into this new place. I want you to step onto this new ground. I want you to take this new direction and lead my people into the promised land. Right? That's the point that we're at. Right? That's what I love about the opening of Joshua is that it captures the feeling that we have. There's some of us that are thinking, high school is dead. Right? And maybe I mourned it for a day. Maybe I didn't. High school, right? It's dead. It's gone. Some of us, it's like years dead. And we're like, what was that, Right? Why was my hair so long? Right? Like we say, man, it's, it's dead. For the others of us, maybe we're saying, man, last year's GPA, it's dead. I mean, technically it's still there, but we're like, but it's going to be bigger, right? It's going to be better. We're stronger and faster and we know what to do now, right? I'm going to step into this new ground. This last year, this last season, some of us are saying, man, summer is dead. Thank God that summer is dead. Because, man, I'm ready for this new season. I'm ready to cross that river. I'm ready to step into that new ground. I'm ready to follow the call of the Lord to move into this new place. He's looking ahead at the future. And man, what he sees is amazing potential. That's where we're at. We're stepping into a new place and we see, man, there's potential. There's excitement. 
There's new goals. There's, there's new dreams. Joshua is a brand new leader in an exciting moment, right? And it's filled with this potential for achievement, right, for growth. And, and it's not just like, he's not just excited for the nation of Israel. Joshua is excited for himself as well. And that's, that's, that's a good thing, right? It, it is a good thing for us to be excited about what we can personally achieve. God wants us to be excited and passionate about what we're walking in, about what, how we're gifted, about how we're equipped. He wants us to be excited about bringing our gifts to bear. That's a beautiful thing. Those little spinny things you get at Renaissance Fair. How many of us know how to do one of those little like spinny things? You like keep it going, you can throw it up in the air. Do any of us have that ability? <gasps> Bless you. <laughs> Next week, prove it. All right, we, we should be rightfully excited about the, the ways that God has gifted us and equipped us. That's what we see in your generation. Now more than ever, your generation, Generation Z is what you're called. It is this incredible shift in our culture towards a desire, a passion for personal achievement. You, it's hard to kind of make out, but basically this was a study by the Barna Group where they were asking people, okay, what's, what's crucial, right? What's very important for your sense of self? And what they saw was this drastic movement in our culture where uh, Gen Z's at the, the top number, boomers, so kind of grandparent age, they're at the bottom, they're the bottom number. And what they saw was this flip where suddenly, whereas uh, family and background, kind of where people came from, while that was super important, right? 46% of boomers, 40% of Gen X, even millennials, which is more my, my generation. We would have said, man, yeah, where I come from, who raised me, the family, the background that I have, that is, that is vitally important to who I am as an individual. Suddenly they're seeing a shift where Gen Z more than ever before overwhelmingly says, no, it's, it's where I'm going, right? It's what I'm doing. It's, it's my professional or educational achievement. It's, it's, what, it's what I can accomplish personally. Suddenly, rather than looking at the past, they say, man, I'm looking ahead at the future, and I see potential, and I'm excited, and that's, that's going to shape how I see myself, and that's a good thing, right? The desire to achieve, it's God-designed. The excitement that you feel is, is good. It's, it's not always just prideful, right? It's not always something that's wrong. Like, you should be excited to, to step out and, and do this new thing. It can be good for everyone, right, depending on the direction that that passion and excitement is given. Right? It can be good for everyone. Now more than ever, they're, they're seeing this rise in, in an entrepreneurial spirit in college students just like you. Texas A&M regularly puts, I just, I like Google, I look up A&M, like startup, and man, oh man, there are so many uh, uh, seminars and classes and programs and pages that you can read of articles that, that, that list out for, just for A&M students, just for A&M and Blend students that are here in Bryan College Station. There are all these opportunities to learn about how to start a nonprofit, how to start a new business, how to kind of move into this new sector, how to bring your dreams into reality. How many of us have just personally been involved kind of on the ground floor of like starting a, a, a business or a nonprofit or an organization, even just a student organization? How many of us have been a part of just starting something new in our lives at some point? 
It's a bunch. Well, you're not raising your hands very high. You're not. There it is. You see that? Just in this random selection of a few hundred folks, man, there are entrepreneurs in our midst. There are people that are saying, man, yeah, that's kind of what drives me. I want to be a part of something new, and that's good. We can all win if the direction is right. And that's what we see in the life of Joshua is right from the get-go. What he's doing is he's allowing the Lord to direct those desires. Right? He's allowing the Lord to direct his desire to achieve, and that's what we should take with us. Into this new season, as we're stepping in, whether brand new baby freshman, whether old and wizened and jaded super senior, every single one of us, every single one of us should be walking into this season saying, God, I want you to direct the des- my desires to achieve. That's why we started even just here at Grace. That's why we started in our college ministry, Growth Track. Growth Track, which is something that I talked about last week, if you were here, but, but it's something that we're going to run for the next three weeks. Starting today. So today in the next two weeks, we are running a thing called Growth Track. And it's at the 11 o'clock hour, right across the sidewalk in a gym, a big metal box that's across the sidewalk. And what it is, it's designed to help you find your, your, your next step in belonging at Grace. If this place is your home, if you want to make Grace your home, it's how to make that happen and then how to make it a home for other people, right? Because God has given you passions and abilities and, and desires that he wants to direct for his glory and our good. That's why we have growth tracks. So you can go and you can learn about the community and also learn about how to contribute to the body of Christ. How to use and direct those abilities and those passions that God has given you. For a reason. And that's, that's who we want to be. We want to be people who are allowing the Lord to direct us as we reach that potential that he's placed within us. But even as Joshua is kind of reaching ahead towards these new opportunities, what's beautiful is that the Lord still reminds him of what he's already holding, right? Even as he's reaching ahead, God says, but there's something that you're holding that's vital to remember. He says, I'm handing over to you every place you set foot as I promised Moses. So as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. Right? You're not going to be alone. You should be strong and you should be brave. He says, Joshua, remember, there are promises that I have made. There are guarantees that I've given. He says, and I want you to remember those, right? Even as you step into this new place, I want you to remember the promises that I've already made. You've got to lead these people in the conquest of this land that I solemnly promised their ancestors I would hand over to them. It says, this is something that I've already talked about. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you can settle on, something you can rest on, right? I'm, I'm faithful to deliver what I told you I would hand over. So make sure that you are very strong and brave and obey all the law that my service Moses charged you to keep. Don't swerve from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful in all you do. God is reminding Joshua that, man, that he, Joshua, and all the people under his leadership, they, they are inheriting a promise that was given to their ancestors, that was given to their fathers and their grandfathers, their, their mothers, their grandmothers, right? They're, they're walking into a promise that was already given. They're stepping onto a path that God has already prepared for them to walk, right? They're going to a place that God has already prepared for them to belong, That's what's beautiful is that even as we step into the excitement, even as we step into the new, we can stand on these promises that God has given us that he is faithful to fulfill. These promises that that don't change. That even as Joshua is looking ahead at the future, he's also looking back at the past. 
He knows that the context of what he's stepping into and out of, man, it's important, that it matters. And that even though the leadership has changed, right, even though there were some Israelites, there were some of those forefathers who had been given the promise, some of them lost faith in that promise. Some of them have fallen away and God allowed them to simply die in the desert because they had lost sight of, they'd lost trust in the promises that God had made. Joshua saw that happen. He saw that go down, but then he knows, man, but God is still there, right? But God is still faithful. God is unchanged. The ownership that God guaranteed, he says, man, you're going to own this. He says, that's set. That's dependent on the Lord's faithfulness. But, but their occupation of that land, it depends on Israel. Right? So God says, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to hand it over to you. Whether or not you hold on to it is up to you. But the original promise remains the same. I'm still faithful. Even though some of you maybe can lose sight of, some of you can get confused about what that promise originally actually was. That's the reason to the flag and in my generation in America. The United States of a Captain America. As the flag in the heaven of Anna Will, Broccoli ascend as the only nation as present as we believe. One nation under God and invisible. One nation under God invisible. Oh, oh, say, can you see? And the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. Government, my state, the government, Barack Obama, the United States, the government, state to the government. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Right? And that's beautiful, right? Even though our perspectives might change, right? Even though our views might get warped, even though our remembrance might become skewed and, and, and broken, a little muddy over time, the reality is that that pledge is set, right? Their perspective of it doesn't change the existence of that pledge. And our view of the promises of God do not at all nullify it. What Paul says in Romans is that even if all of us were unfaithful, does that in any way destroy the faithfulness of God? He says it's absolutely not true. It's absolutely not true. Even if we were all unfaithful, which we have been, which we continue to will be, God's faithfulness remains unchanged. I mean, that's, that's the promise that he gave us in Jesus Christ. That even though our perspective might change, right? Even though our appreciation might, might lower over time, the reality is that, I mean, our appreciation of the promises of the faithfulness of God, it will only increase if our understanding of it deepens. I've seen this play out in my life. I, I have a couple kids, and, and they're young, and, and they don't have a lot of self-control, and they're still kind of figuring out how the world works. And I'll tell you, when I see my children make the same mistakes over and over and over again, when I tell my daughter, Charlotte, I tell her, hey, like, you need to stay in your bed. It's nighttime. That's where you belong. Even though she gets up and then comes out of her room, and she's like lying in her hallway, and she's like, I don't even know. I don't even know why. 
And I go and I, I walk up to her and I don't even have to say anything. As soon as I walk up, she's like, <laughs> and she runs off to her room. And she jumps in her bed. And I say, Charlie, you got to stay in your bed. She goes, uh-huh. I say, I love you. I love you so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay in your bed. Are you going to stay in your bed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Three minutes later, she's like wandering in my kitchen like a, like a specter. And I'm like, what are you doing? Go to your bed. And even though I see her make these mistakes over and over and over again, even though I see her just fail to follow the simple commands I've given her, man, in those moments, I'll tell you, I have, it's never been more startlingly real to me that God looks at me in my sin, that he looks at me in my failure, and he sees me over and over and over again, falling into the same struggle, falling into the same habit, falling into the same sin time and time again, still being prideful, still finding my heart in the wrong place, still finding my motivations in the wrong thing. And over and over and over again, man, I now see through that, that new broadening perspective, I see the grace of God. And it's amazing. And Charlotte should still stay in her bed, but there's grace when she doesn't. For a little bit. I'm not God, but I try. (laughs) That's what God gave us in Jesus Christ. He gave us a deeper understanding of the promises that he'd already given. He says, I love you. He says, I want to care for you. He says, you can trust in me. And yet it was only through Jesus Christ that suddenly we got to see that in a new light. That we got to understand that with a new perspective. You see, the word inherit, when God was telling Joshua about the land that Israel will inherit, it's the same term that is then used later in Scripture to describe how we experience salvation. What we get to do is in inheriting the righteousness and the blessings that Christ has obtained for us. It's the same terminology. It's the same idea that Jesus Christ would step out of heaven and onto earth to live a perfect life that we cannot live. We cannot stay in that bed. We cannot recite that pledge with perfection. Probably still, even as like 22-year-olds. It's hard. Oh, good job. (laughs) And yet Jesus Christ, he lived that perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve because of our mistakes, because of our error, because of our brokenness. And when he rose again three days later, he says, those things don't define you. He says, that identity is gone. He says, if you call on my name, if you trust in who I am and what I've done for you, he says, you can have a new identity. You can belong to a new family. You no longer have to be this child of wrath who's spitting in the face of the God who made them and loves them. He says, you can now be an adopted son or daughter of the Lord Most High by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's who we can be. That's who many of us have become. And when we have that perspective, then when we see, when we really remember what God has promised, demonstrated through Jesus Christ, man, that should drive us, that should motivate us, that should inspire us to be a people who remain faithful in the same way. Faithful to love, faithful to forgive, faithful to pursue excellence, faithful to initiate, faithful to tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what should be driving us forward. As we walk into this new place, we remember the old promises. We say, man, that's that's something that I can stand on. That's something I can take refuge in. 
And as I stand on the faithfulness of God, it empowers me to be faithful on my own. And I'm telling you, any relationship you walk into for the rest of your life, that relationship will flourish or it will fail depending on faithfulness. That's that's what relationships hinge on is the loyalty and faithfulness of the two people involved. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to have wonderful, healthy, vibrant, flourishing relationships in my life. And I know that there's going to be times where I'm still unfaithful, where I'm not quick to forgive, where I'm not slow to speak in anger, where I know that there's going to be times where I say the wrong thing, I do the wrong thing, I'm going to hurt the wrong people. But I trust no, that God is still faithful, that grace still abounds, that forgiveness is still available because of Jesus Christ. And so God says, Joshua, remember these promises that I've given to you as you step into this new place. Be faithful, right? Don't swerve to the left or the right of these promises I've laid out. But God even knows, even as he's giving that charge and that call to Joshua, he knows that Joshua cannot remain faithful on his own. He knows that it's, a, it's, a, it's an impossible task in and of himself for Joshua to stay faithful to the path that God's laid out for him. And so God points him finally in kind of the close of this passage. He says, I want you to have this law scroll. In other words, I, he says, I want you to take the words that I've written, that I've given to you. I want you to take my divine revelation. I don't want, you to, I don't want it to leave your lips. He says, you must memorize it day and night so you can carefully obey all that is written in it. Then you will prosper. Then you will be successful. Literally right here, the, the, the Hebrew term that he's using, chagah, right? Sounds so good. It's like you're hawking up a, I don't know, anger, an anger loogie. And you're like, chagah, like that's what he's, that's the word. And it's a beautiful term. It sounds horrible, but it, it means something beautiful. It's this idea of Muttering. Right? When he says that it's gonna, you're going to memorize it, other translations will say you should meditate on it. And it's because it's trying to encapsulate this idea of Haggah. It's this idea of, of, of muttering. It's literally you're muttering the thing. The same way that you know, when you were on vacation with your family and maybe you, you know, if your kids are starting to fight and your dad's like, oh, take your violence family to vacation, sacrifice and wear the Disney hat. Or, you know, like that's, that muttering, what that is, is that's, that was your dad clinging to what he knew to be true. I sacrifice and I love these people, right? Like that's what he's trying to cling to. We will walk into tests and we're like, okay, A squared plus B squared is C squared. And that's, you know, like we will mutter these truths that are hopefully gonna stay implanted in our brains. We'll, we'll be sitting in our living rooms. We'll be going to the library and we'll flip through these flashcards. We're like, El Guapo, you know, or I don't know. But like that's, <laughs> we're going through these things and we're literally, we'll find ourselves muttering them. That's the idea. God says, I want you to be muttering my words. He says, I want you to be muttering my truth, where it's just instinctive to just spit it out. What's beautiful about my daughter, Charlotte, not only the fact that I get to learn more about my sin through her, uh, the other beautiful thing about our relationship is she is beginning to just sort of pick up and, and, and emulate things that my wife and I do. And I've noticed that there are times where I can just say, I might just throw out, like something happens, her brother Lawrence like throws a cup against the wall, and I'm like, good golly, because that's, that's how you talk when you're a dad. I say, good golly, and my daughter, Charlotte, will just instinctively say, Miss Molly. I'm like, oh, I love it, right? Because that's, I guess there was a season where I would say, I'd be like, good golly, Miss Molly, and I just said that enough around her 
that now you can even try it. You can walk up to her and be like, hey, Shar, good golly. She'll go, Miss Molly, right? <laughs> Miss Molly. And then she'll go back to whatever she's doing. It doesn't even phase her. I'll, I'll, I can literally just say, you can walk up to her and say, Charlotte, my oh my. She'll go, pumpkin pie. <laughs> pumpkin pie, right? And see you later, Shar. Alligator, right? Like she just instinctively has all these little crazy old phrases from the 20s that she holds to and will say, why? Because she's just been immersed in it. And so it's out of habit, she will say it. God says, I want you to be so immersed in my word, in my truth, in my law, in my scripture. He says, I want it to just flow out of you. I want you to be muttering it as you walk around, as you live your life. As you step into this new place, you can stand on the promise that I've given you. And you're not going to know that promise unless you're deepening your knowledge through my word. And so he says, I repeat, you can be strong and you can be brave. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to panic because I, the Lord your God, am with you in all that you do. He says, I'm with you, Joshua. I'm with you, 2018. I'm with you. but are you with me? Are you staying rooted in the truth that I've given you as you walk forward into this new place, holding on to these new promise or these old promises? I mean, are you holding on to also that same purpose, that, that singular direction that I've given you to know me and to make me known? And it's this idea of clinging to the word of God. And I've seen that play out this summer in ways that I simply haven't before in my life. You know, even as someone who I work full time in a church, I'm a professional Christian. Like that is what I do. The A&M Foundation no longer calls me for donations because they know what I do. They're like, oh, never mind. Bye. Like, <laughs> because I work, even though I work here in this place, I mean, I'll tell you, this summer transformed the way that I saw, I saw the impact of Scripture in my life. Where there were seasons this summer where I would wake up, I was having trouble sleeping. I, was, I had this anxiety and this stress that I was allowing to get out of hand. And, and there was a moment in an evening where I was just awake and my heart was racing. And my mind wouldn't stay still. And I had to get up, and I just kind of walked, and, I, and I, I laid down in a different place outside of my bed. I just, I just laid down, and I, and I opened the Word of God. I didn't know what else to do. And I read Psalm 139. And in reading that scripture, and simply reading what God wrote thousands of years ago, my heart was quieted. My emotions were leveled. And I found myself clinging to the truth that had been revealed, that had been sitting there in my Kindle all the days of my life. And yet it was only when I was immersing myself in it, it was only when I was opening myself to that truth that suddenly it was impacting me in a new way. I've had friends over this past year deal with incredible struggles Medical, emotional, marital, all, all across the board. And I'll tell you, I, I've seen these incredible moments over the past year that have transformed my view of Scripture where they would find themselves in moments of pain. 
and heartbreak and sorrow. In moments where really as people, you can't really step in and do anything. You can be there. You can be a presence, which is so helpful, but you're not going to be solving any of their problems. There's no word you can speak that's just going to mend the situation. And yet what would happen is they would find themselves in these places and they would teach me by explaining that they just simply needed scripture read over them. And so we would share scripture for them. They, as a married couple, they they would have moments where, where one of them would just read scripture over the other one. And it was transformative. We should be a people as we step into a new place that's full of potential, as we cling to the promises of God's faithfulness, we should be a people who maintain the same direction, that singular purpose, that idea of, man, I want to know the Lord. I want to deepen my relationship with him so that that relationship can spill out into the people around me, so that as I know him, I can make him known, so that as I worship him, he can be a witness to the world around me. That's why we create things like, like our fall launch. This Wednesday night, we, we're, we're kicking off our ministry at our Southwood campus at 7 o'clock. Doors open at 7, and we're having this moment. We, we have this gathering so that we can step into this new place together. It's not just so that we can have a good time. It's not so that we can have certain experiences or take certain pictures. Man, the reason we have that, the reason we put our time and energy and and, and effort into that is because we want all of us to step back into this community of believers, of like-minded individuals. We want to step into this new place as the people who are rooted in the word of God, who are walking on the path that he's prepared. That's who I want to be because I know that's where life is found. Because that's where I know my foundation really can rest. is rooted in the word of God. Rooted in what he's told me. Prepared for what's ahead. Excited about the potential of this new place, of this new ground. But remembering that even though everything around me is in flux, that my God is still faithful, that my God has not changed. I mean, so I don't, I don't know where you're going to land this year. Maybe you find a place here at Grace, and that, that's wonderful. Maybe you find your place in another local body of Christ, another church. Maybe you plug in at Browsers Fellowship. Maybe you plug in at Antioch. Maybe you plug in at Central. Man, that, that's awesome. I want you to find your roots in a community of people who love the God that made you and, and that want you to serve the God who, who's calling you forward. I mean, find that place that worships in spirit and truth and, and, and put your roots down in that community. But man, no matter where you find your place, no matter where you find your home, we can all still be moving forward as people who say, God, I want to live this year for you. God, I want to step in and I want to be excited about not just what my dreams and goals and aspirations are. God, I'm excited about what you're going to accomplish, about what you have for me, about this path that you've laid out, Lord, these promises that you've made. Man, so join me in asking the Lord to just set our minds on that path to broaden our perspective right here, right now. God, we thank you that you have given us these incredible promises that we can rest upon, Lord, that we can cling to. Lord, we just ask that, that as we move forward, and as we take these kind of first steps into this new place, God, we ask that we wouldn't become distracted 
Lord, we know that it is easy for our affections and our attentions to wander. Lord, to be hung up on, on, on passing offerings of this world. And God, some of us, Lord, we are more aware than others of how empty those pursuits leave us. Lord, we've seen the, the frustration and the destruction that, that follows in the wake of making our life all about something that is simply at its very root temporary. So God, I, I'm praying for these young men and women. God, I'm praying for myself, for, for our staff, Lord, for everyone that's here, that, that we would be a people that are pursuing something better, something greater, Lord, something that lasts. And some of us walked into this place, God, and, and, and we weren't sure about what this semester is going to look like. And God, maybe we still don't, but God, there's some of us that, that we know that our first step is, is simply to, to give our life to you for the very first time. God, there's some of us that have never even trusted in the promise that you've made, that you demonstrated through Jesus Christ. I mean, our, our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed. But, but I would ask that, I mean, that you would, if that's you, if, if you're in this place of saying, man, I, I'm walking into college and, and I don't actually, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I, it's something that maybe I've been thinking about all summer. It's something that I've struggled with for the last few years. or It's something that I didn't really think about until this moment. I mean, if that's you, if that's the place that you're in, if, if you're in a place where you're saying, but, but I, I want to walk into college, I want to walk into this new year as a son or a daughter of the Lord Most High, I want to walk in as someone who has that relationship with Jesus Christ, who has that new identity, that new hope, as someone who inherits those promises of life and satisfaction that extend beyond this world. I mean, if that's you, I would just ask, our, our heads are down, our eyes are closed, but if you would raise your hand so that I can pray for you. She would be bold. Just let me know where you are. Awesome. You can leave your hand up. And thank you for your honesty. And so if you would leave your hands up, I, I would love to pray with you. Not that there's a mystical prayer or a magic statement, but it's simply an attitude of the heart that I'm going to lead you through. God, these brothers and sisters, would they want to know you? And God, that they see that their sin, that their brokenness, Lord, it, it, it pulls them away from you. That God, that it's, it's creating a barrier between themselves and you. And God, I, I pray with them. I ask alongside of them, God, that that you would see them where they are. God, that you see the brokenness. Lord, you see the fault. And yet, God, in that, Lord, we, we recognize together that, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to, to mend that, Lord, to, to, to pay the penalty that they incurred. And God, they, they, they want the forgiveness that you freely offered through your son, Jesus Christ. And you can put your hand down and... I. I want to encourage you that, that you have stepped into a very new place, that you've left death and you've entered life. 
And I would love for you to come and talk with me or talk with one of our staff members. Every single one of you. About the next steps, about what this journey might look like. And man, for, for all of us that are here, that are, that are, that are coming before the Lord as, as humbled and broken people, redeemed by Christ, but still struggling day in and day out to really stay rooted in that relationship. Join me in, in, in asking the Lord to simply open your eyes to, to your next step. Maybe it's a relationship with a person. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have of someone that's going to hold you accountable to, to knowing the Lord, of making him known. Maybe it's, maybe it's a moment this week in the hustle and bustle, the crazy newness of a new semester. Maybe it's just, God, carve out some time that I can sit and be still, that I can read your word, that I can be invested in your truth. Maybe it's going to, to a, a, an established church community or an event like Fall Launch. Maybe it's, maybe it's going and just being a part of something bigger than yourself. But whatever it might be, ask the Lord to show you, God, what is my next step this week as I step into this new place? God, how do I hold fast to the promises you've made, rooted in the purpose that you've given me? Take these moments and ask him that right now.